you have to value your skill. Don't think that you are an imposter here, that you aren't as good as somebody else. And yes, maybe you're not there yet, and maybe that's a skill that you need to continue to hone in on and develop, and then be willing to charge what you're worth. Welcome to the Young and Driven Podcast, where we explore the world of entrepreneurship. Join us as we dive into the nitty gritty of what it takes to start, grow, and scale a successful business. We're on a mission to share our experiences, failures, insights, and advice with others. Whether you're just starting out in your entrepreneurial journey or you're looking to take your business to the next level, tune in and join the conversation about what it takes to succeed in the world of business. Welcome to the Young and Driven Podcast. This is the first episode that we are going to be recording and airing. Um, I am sitting here with my partner in crime, my my content director, pretty much whatever title he wants to give himself, Logan Prescott or Logan Miller, depending on where you follow him on social media. Um, yeah. Logan is an incredible artist in every sense of the word. Um, and frankly, he, he pisses me off because he's really great at pretty much whatever he touches. And for someone that has to work really hard to be good at anything, <laughs> even just like mediocre at anything, it really, really sucks because he just kind of picks things up and then is like ridiculously talented with them. So Logan, thanks for joining me. Um, you are young, you are driven. So I think that we, bo we both fit this narrative. Uh, normally what I'll be doing is I'll be interviewing um, higher level like business owners, probably like seven, eight figures. And uh, we are not that. We don't we don't make seven or eight figures with our business yet, and uh, we're getting there. We're working there on it. But um, he and I are partnered on a, a media company, and we're seeing a lot of success. And so I just kind of wanted to talk about it and talk to Logan about his artist stuff. So welcome. Thanks for being with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. And we chat every single day, so this is really not much different than a typical day for yeah. us, huh? But let me let's just dive like I guess so that if you're watching this on YouTube. You're going to notice that Logan's Logan's like visuals are like really crisp and he has a great background and then mine are like not good. And that's just a perfect like a perfect metaphor for our personalities and how we approach life. He was like, "Hey, I'm sorry I'm going to be 5 10 minutes late. I'm still setting up my camera." And I was like, "Dude, camera? What? Webcam? I'm not even rocking this." I I'm really grateful that you're such a detailed person. Have you always been detailed? Have you always been meticulously detailed about everything you do? Yeah, probably. I mean, you know, I think w with as uh, epic an intro as you're offering me, and I think people don't see the behind the scenes of all the countless hours of YouTube tutorials and reading and being that nutty guy who's like, man, he doesn't socialize. He just spends time in his room learning unnecessary things. And then, you know, and then I just get to show them off with a fancy camera on a, on a podcast. So... It's for this moment. It's for this. It's for this That's purpose. Right. All right. Tell tell how long have you been making music? Well, I to to go back to the origins of of music in my life. My mom was a concert pianist, and so we all we all being my siblings and I, we all had to grow up playing piano. It was just a, a necessity in our house, um, and and so at around five years old is when we started playing piano and then my other you know my siblings gave up as soon as they were allowed at like 12 or 13 I'm done I was pretty done with it too it wasn't that I had uh, an interest 
in music or playing piano, but for me, when I was around nine, that's when I discovered I didn't have MTV growing up. So I didn't have music videos on the TV, but I came across Yahoo Music. And that's where I got Green Day. That's where I got Yellow Card. That's where I got all of our early 2000s emo rock. For me, that was like a switch that was flipped on. For me, it was like, oh, I want to do this when I'm older. There was like no doubt in my mind, I'm going to be a musician. I'm going to learn guitar and I'm going to grab the neighborhood kids and we're going to make a band. And we're going to be the next Green Day. I didn't know any Wait, did other you make artists a band? at that did time. Did you have a band? Oh, you had yeah. a band? Yeah. I got, really? I got my friend who was, uh, I was nine. I had a friend who was seven who lived down the street who I was like, hey, buy a drum set, like learn how to play drums. And he did it. And uh, another neighborhood kid picked up the bass. And we were a little trio. Yeah. So that, that's, that's where it all started for me. What happened to them? What happened to that dream? You know, I think this was always like a frustration growing up, which now, of course, you like you grow up and you're like, oh, well, not everybody who's, you know, not every kid wants to just drop everything and and, you know, be as type A and and accomplished driven and stuff as I, you know, kind of was around that time. I, I just wanted to be the best. I wanted to be the best songwriter and, you know, um, you know, they learned their instruments and then we would play some shows and then it was like, hey, I want to be a kid, you know. And so I was like, you know, over time, just, you know, going through different different bandmates and just over the years, you know, I just kind of eventually became a solo act. And, and for me, that's been kind of kind of complimentary to my my type A-ness. I, I'm, I'm like, wait, I should not say type A-ness. That's not going to sound right. <laughs> Cl Lydia, clip it. Clip it, Lydia. There's, there's a little clap. I told Lydia ahead of time yeah. I would give her <laughs> audible notes if we need to cut something. <laughs> no, we're not cutting that. <laughs> this is my show. What are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? That's well, awesome. I can't go what on was the, saying what was the, like anus. <laughs> <laughs> what was the band name? What was the band name that you were in? Well, okay, so just to help – okay. I'm going to help you out, Lydia, in case you piece this together. Feel free to or not. But, <laughs> no, no, uh, no. Nothing's getting cut. This, is all, this all stays in. Oh, man. She is she's absolutely cringing at this moment. I promise you. <laughs> okay. And for context, so, sorry. Lydia is the podcast producer and just so happens to be Logan's <laughs> wife. So it's a conflict of interest at this moment, but I hope she chooses the one that's paying her money. Man. Okay. So, yeah, you're going to love this. We were called Crimson. And it wasn't spelled oh, yeah. like the color. Of course, you know, you can't do that. It was K R. Had to be hard to search for. Oh, yeah. It was like you can't. Well, the, the big thing, too, when you're like nine years old was I want to make sure I'm original. I want to make sure that there's nobody else in the world who has my band name. So it yep. was like, well, surely I'm going to find the weirdest letters. K-R-I-M-Z-I-N. And that's everything was that. It was Crimson Christian Rock. So oh, yeah. that was always the vibe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm all in. I'm all in. Yep. No hit Good tracks, nothing? Nothing, yeah. nothing popped off, unfortunately? Nothing popped off. No. Okay. No, I was always frustrated well, at, like, the Justin Biebers of the world, you know? Yeah. Yep. I understand. There's only you just know, a little people, bit of talent people, difference people between People blew us up, and, and it's like, yeah, I was like, well, I'm basically doing the same thing as him. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. no self-awareness. Just Christian <laughs> Crimson. That's it. Uh, I will, so, Crimson, backstory, yeah. like, I met, I met you... You put out a song, I think it was called How We Wanted. Um, I think that was when I first reached out to you. Um, I was making music around the same time. Both of us were making doing artist stuff. Um, 
I reached out and I was like, dude, this is pretty sweet. It was pretty much, pretty much you were doing what I wanted to do, but like actually doing it and like better. Cause we were, you were going after like, it was like an 80 sound. We were both really into Joan. And so you're doing it. But then we united on the fact that we both got screwed over by the same person, which was really great. That's what all yeah. good relationships are forged on is negativity of getting screwed over in the music industry. Right. Yeah, so absolutely. ever since then, I'm I'm mad at you because you've only put out how many songs since then? You've only put out four songs, five songs. Yeah, I mean it's a probably yeah five or six I think. Okay, maybe. Yeah. And then Lydia, if you want to if you want to throw in a little bit of way loud right here. Throw in a little bit of nightmare right here. That's a taste <laughs> of what Logan does. I'm just gonna trust the process and and and, and really put her editing skills uh, to work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what what's your game plan for putting out music going forward? Yeah, well, you know, I think this will eventually tie in to what all we've been up to and how busy you and I both have been and uh and how you know, my trajectory of releasing music this year has been every couple months I want to release a track. Now, when big opportunity hits, it you know, it's like, okay, I got to I got to yield to what is serving me most in my artistry and in my personal life and surviving in a place like Los Angeles, which is where I live. And uh, in our case, that was a, you know, the opportunity for us to start doing social media work. And uh, I was doing video editing and, and all that this year up until we, you know, got together and actually teamed up, which again, we'll talk about more. But um, that kind of put a little bit of a delay on some of the new releases, but I've got, you know, I've got some that are coming out in the next couple months. So always excited to get music out. It's, it's always a, yeah, you know, it's a double-edged sword because I'm a music producer also, so I'm doing all of it, you know, here in this studio room right here. And by the way, he's and, the type of person uh, where he's like, yeah. all the instruments are him, all this stuff. Like, I can't do that. I can play guitar, I can play a little bit of synth, and I can sing. And uh, and then I I go find people that can do the rest of the stuff. He's just like I'm just gonna figure it out, and I don't need a, I don't need no man, I don't need no band. I'm just gonna do this, and it is pretty incredible. So it's like the type of music where it's impossible for you to not like it. Your entire discography, if you put it, it's like, do you really want summer vibes? You're sitting in the right place. Do you want like Do you want to feel like you can just put this on shuffle, and put the headphones in and just like ride a train, uh, down you know the coast? Like this is that's the track for you. This is like. This is the soundtrack to that life. So Man, appreciate it. Definitely look it up. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's uh again, it's 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 got its pros and cons, right? Because I think, you know, being a perfectionist, you know, it's like one of those things where it's like, oh, I'm a perfectionist. It's almost like you're bragging about like, oh, I'm very detail oriented. Um, I make really good quality art. But it's you know, obviously the cons of being a perfectionist is, and especially in artistry, is that you hold on to your art until it's perfect. And of course it never is. 
It's like, you know, you never want to let something go until you feel like it's exactly how you want. And that's just, it's never going to get to that point. And so, you know, it's a years long battle and a continued battle of going, I need to just release something. I need to just get something out of the world. You are obviously laughing as it pertains to video editing too, as we've, you know, spent so many times. It's both though, because I'm like, I'm like, I've, I've call, I would call you every like four months, five months. I would call you <laughs> during music and I'd be like, Logan, where's this song coming out? Like you would show me a song, you would send me a track and I'd be like, dude, that's awesome. Put it out right now. And you're like, ah, I just, you know, I, I'm like, I'm like, I think I could do like one or two more mixes on it. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Just like put the track out. Like I, when I came to LA and we hung out, I listened to probably six songs. Three of them are done. And you're like, ah, oh, they're like, <laughs> you know, it's like, they're like right there. And I'm like, dude, that's, that's, it's a finished track. It's complete. It's perfect. You're not going to make it any more perfect. It's, it's both like, it's part of like what makes you amazing and what makes you awful at the same time. It's like your most <laughs> annoying trait and the best part of my life. Because for someone like me that is not organized and needs to be a little bit more perfectionistic, like, I think you balance me really well because it's like, because <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, let's go, let's release it. Let's move on to the next thing. And you're like, no, hold up. We got, let's make sure that we're, you know, like, okay, sweet. Okay. I'm just going to dial this in really quick. And then, <laughs> so I think that constant, like grounding me is, is really beneficial. Dude. Yeah. It's, it's a both end, you know, it really, really is. And I think to have the self-awareness of an artist to first go, my music is much better you know, released out into the world than sitting on a hard drive. Same with whatever craft. And we spend a lot of our time these days dealing with video editing for, you know, short form and long form for our clients. And in the same way, it's like you can spend countless hours on something to make it perfect. And especially on social media, again, same thing with music, though, is who is the audience and how, how quickly are they, you know, receiving and spending time with that piece of art? And then how quickly are they able to just scroll past it if you're not checking the right boxes right away? And so it's you can spend time on the details that don't matter or that might matter to you. And and for me, this is, again, a a battle that I'm always dealing with. I think it's a good battle to have. What are some of the things I don't want to die to? You know, what are the things in my Mm. craft and my video editing that I'm like, this is a non-negotiable. This is what makes me stand out as a video editor or as a music producer. This is important to my craft to be able to do this well. And then at the same time to say, is somebody even going to get that far in the video to really care? Is your typical audience really going to have eyes to see the interesting animation I spent four hours on that really, you know, it's like they're just receiving that information for the content that's there, not the little animation, you know, and, and the things, the minutia of, of all the content that's out there that people are, you know, receiving every single day. So it's both, absolutely yeah. it's both, but you know, finding that middle ground is really, really important. And we have constantly been up against this of let's get content out there and let the people decide what is quality and what is, you know, yeah. what is worth spending more time on. Yeah, I think, I think we can tend to like, and I guess I'll shift gears here towards both artists and business owners. I think it's kind of unanimous for both when it comes to content creation, like, you overthink how much people care about you. You do. You 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 think you're gonna put sure. out this piece of content and you're like, this is it, and I've made it, and it's awesome, and this is perfect. But that's just not how the market goes. It's like sometimes, yeah, things go in your favor, and one of the first things you put out, people are really gonna connect with. But 
more often than not, it's like the slow growth, the harder growth. It's the investment in the community. And it's the fact that you give yourself enough at-bats to exist where one of those at-bats ends up working, right? So it's like, I think it happens with musicians where it's like every artist that, that quits two years in, you're not going to like suddenly blow up. Sometimes you do get lucky. Sometimes I've seen a ton of people where it's like, those first two years, like maybe something happened or maybe they were an industry plant. Usually there's like a decade of time of like investment and hard work and things that you've put in to, to actually get to that point. But I've, if you're good, if the stuff you put out is not crap and you're really good and you're really passionate and you're targeted with who you're trying to communicate with and trying to help um, or targeted to, with, towards like the demographic that you're trying to put your music out to, um, I think if you do that for 10 years, it's almost impossible to not get heard by that group one way or the other do they accept you not always but like it's impossible to not make it um it's just that your definition of making it might be different than than the truth where it's like you look at someone that has like a viral video or if you look at someone that that you know i, I remember i remember when i was putting up music and i think my goal was like i want to get thirty thousand streams on a song this year and it's like i got that then i got that in like a month right and then my mind was like that's unimpressive a hundred thousand streams other or or else and then i got that yeah. and it was like that's just like it they're arbitrary numbers because then you look at the comparison of who you actually want to compare it to because then you're like okay it's not the peers it's the next level and like um with business owners i think it's the same exact thing where it's like you look at you look at these social metrics these vanity metrics and it completely misses the point of like i just want to add value to a community i just want to give to people that need to hear this i have something to offer right and i shouldn't hold it back or be scared about what they think i should just offer it and then if they accept it awesome if they don't accept it it's still a reflection of who i am and what i want to do so um i've seen business owners that do that and it usually ends up working out anyways but it's just like a mental shift the amount of artists like i'm going to call out like uh i'm going to call out an artist called steven stvn and i i'm pissed off at him every single time i talk to him because he's amazing his name is alex and he, we both know him, we're both friends with him, and he has, I think, like a dozen killer tracks on a hard drive for, like, two <laughs> years. And I'm like, bro, we have to get this, like, doesn't matter. Let's just get this, like, I think if you're an artist, there's no reason to have stuff unreleased. There really isn't. Like, all the competition you're facing, they're putting stuff out, and some of it's connecting. Like, like all, like, 1975 put out, like, 16 ridiculous songs in a row that were all completely genreless. There was one song where they were copying Bonnie Vare. There was another song they were copying the Beatles. There was another song where they were doing something in the 80s. Like, they were, they were doing right. everything. So it's like, just put stuff out and see what connects and then make make decisions based off of that because if you're scared about what people think you are or what people like assume you are, then you're just not going to make it very far because you're too others-focused rather than, than just trying to offer something to a community. Yeah. I'm going to get off my, I'm gonna get off my, my box there. I mean, it's so true, and you and I have had this conversation so many times in the same vein as Steven, where, you know, I'm always asking the question, is this song sounding enough like me, you know, or, or does this sound like it's for somebody else? And for context, you know, I've been in more of the setting of songwriting for other people as well before, and, you know, and sometimes you come up with ideas when you're by yourself that you do have another artist in mind or you have somebody in mind that you're like, oh, I should make a song in this genre or in this style. And then inevitably there are some of those tracks that you just fall in love with. And you're like, ooh, I think I want this for my own. I think I'm going to be a little greedy here. 
And when that happens, it is a fair question. You know, you're going, is this enough like my artist project, which I know you cringe at the idea of like having a specific project or genre or, you know, and, and rather I think of like maybe not the best example, but like the Bruno Marses of the world who have traveled across genres and, you know, always sound like Bruno Mars. And then more, mm-hmm. I mean, an even better example, and my favorite example is the Beatles, who you could say, well, I don't really like the hokey, like, 50s-inspired music of their early stuff. And then you go, well, there's such a wide range over the years of, like, where their music ended up, all the in-between, and it sounds so different over time. I think it can be really, like, stifling and limiting for an artist and I've been in this exact spot I'm in it now with certain tracks where I'm like I think this might not be enough of a me song maybe I should hold off but then again it just sits on your hard drive and I think that's something that a lot of artists these days if they aren't already getting on board I think they need to is to just understand that the music business is more so exactly what you're talking about it's just getting songs out pieces of art like this aren't like, you know, as as formal as they used to be delivered on a CD or a record. And you can just upload something and you can see how it does. And yes, you can take it down if you don't like it or you change your mind later. You have that ability. I don't, you know, that's a different story, whether you should exercise that ability. But I think the fact that you can just upload something has shifted the whole narrative for musicians and music producers and songwriters. You can just upload anything and people can tell you whether or not it's good from a TikTok video. And if if they don't think it's good, you move on to the next thing. But you got it out of your system. You got the idea out. You didn't just like get two days into a song and then go, I'm not going to finish it because I don't think it's good enough. You actually got an idea out. And I think it's like that dirty water analogy, like turning on the faucet. You got to get the dirty water out first. I think that's exactly how all ideas work is you just have to let ideas get out and then you can move on to the better ones and you have to it's more of a quantity game and people don't like saying it's you know quantity over quality i don't think it's I'm sorry that. i got to cut you off are you talking to yourself of... right now are you, are you talking to yourself absolutely because i need myself. this is <laughs> what i yell at you like every I'm week to... <laughs> yeah but it's absolutely like... true though for artists of any size though you know it's it's mm-hmm. absolutely the case it's just it's a matter of just getting ideas out you know, so, okay, so this is, this is you, you know, dogging me right now, but did you ever have this situation? I know you've looked back on your old music and you've thought, oh, do I want to keep this up? It does it, am I happy with it? I mean, how was that for you earlier on with, with some of those songs that you uploaded? Were you happy with all of them? Do you feel content now with your decision to keep those up? I, I actually can't, it's like the only reason I can't stand my own music is because, um, it's like a me thing. Like you move on, you like different stuff later on, and it's like you always look back to the stuff that like you did, and you're like, ah, oh, man, I would do something different now. Or like, I you listen to that song, like I don't listen to my own music because it's like, I just know I'm not gonna like it. And I always like every time I made a song, I was always more excited about the song I was making than the song I was like releasing. So yeah. that's like the biggest factor um, for me. Like yeah. I I do think that's why you just gotta get it out like as soon as possible. Don't overthink it. Just put it out because if you like. The worst case scenario is that no one listens to it. That's the worst case scenario. And my argument is also like every artist you know, their first EP before they got signed or even their first EP after getting signed or like album even after getting signed, 
usually sucks. Like, I don't know if you've listened to Coldplay's first EP. It's garbage. There's, like, not even, like, a, there's not even, like, a decent track on it. And then that first album, people like it a lot, but, like, maybe there's two good tracks and people just talk about Yellow, right? Like, you just need that time to cultivate all the good stuff. Like, like everybody talks about, like, these people that drop out of nowhere and they have these really great first albums. They win, you know, New Artist of the Year or whatever. That's before they, like, that's after they got signed. Like, all the stuff that they made beforehand, all the stuff that Billie Eilish made beforehand, all the stuff, like, it's, it usually isn't that great. Like, you can see videos of these people performing. Sure. You can see videos of Katy Perry singing before she was Katy Perry, but when she was Kate Hudson. And it's like, it, yeah. it's not awesome. It's not great. She's just a person. And then it's just the longevity and, and the branding and the machine behind it. Like, that's usually what it takes. So I just think, yeah, if I were approaching music now versus approaching music back when I was, um, and I probably will put out music again, but, like, if I were to do it now, I'd, I would care so le- much less. Like, I would care so much less about details. I'd care so much less about, like, my artistry. Uh, I kind of cringe at that word. Like, it's if it's not fun, don't do it. And if it's not creative, like, you don't enjoy the process of it, don't, don't do it. But if you have it, like, don't withhold it. Just, like, you worked hard on it. You spent money on it. Time's more valuable. So, like, have it be a reflection of something you've done. And I just wish... I don't know. Everyone I see that's blowing up right now, and it might just because of TikTok and social media, like the way that TikTok has changed music is is huge. Um, where you can be, you know, edgy or bad or like just kind of like, you know, not necessarily memorable, but because you you caught a trend, it works out really well. Um, I I think in that world, it's a quantity game. And actually, I have to to shift gears here, like I to in the in the world of just social media in general. It's a qual- it's a quantity game. Uh, I think like quantity and quality are the two levers, right? And so whenever I'm talking to like a new business owner, that's asking me and saying like, you know, what, Grant, what should I do with content? How do I get started? How do I build a brand? I don't try to sell them on high quality stuff like we do. I try to say, okay, first off, you need to find your voice. You need to figure out what your voice is, yeah. and that means that you just have to put yourself in front of a camera. And I usually recommend like you do like three stories a day. Just do three stories a day. You talking to it. Because after 90 days of you doing that, you're going to feel a lot more comfortable talking in front of a camera. You can post a bunch of those. Absolutely. They're not going to look great, and they're not going to get a ton of attention. But at the very least, you get yourself into that rhythm where you care less about what people think and the response, and you just more so get used to talking. Yeah. Um, and then once you've established that, and once you've actually built your like tiny little base, um, it doesn't have to be a lot of people. It can be like uh, like like a, less than a thousand people it can be a thousand people but like once you've built that then when you pull the lever of quality and you pull the lever of quantity on top of it right that's when you start to see things really compound and explode because you don't have to start with this big camera in front of your face and then suddenly you have to be professional like i've done those shoots and like i sucked if i i didn't feel confident talking and like if i started this podcast four months ago i would have sucked right <laughs> like uh, and like honestly, it's because like I just got used to talking in front of a camera and caring less, and that just takes like yeah. time to do. So I, I, that's what I definitely encourage both artists and business owners. I'm like, bro, just do something. You're, you're not going to learn anything. You got to fail and be willing to fail a ton. Get get your get your worst hundred videos done as fast as possible, like as fast as you can. Get a hundred videos out because they're all going to be bad. Don't hope for any one of them. You're yeah. going to grow hopefully with each one. But in my mind, like artists, get your first 10 songs out as soon as possible. Like they're not going to be good. Absolutely. And if you have the career that you want to have, 
you're going to be putting out dozens and dozens of songs. Like the bands that you you like are usually the bands that like probably do like they have like 10 albums. And they have bad albums and they have good albums. Yeah. So it's like their first like I you I, did you like Switchfoot growing up? Were you a Switchfoot fan? Oh, or no? I love Switchfoot. Yeah, Dude, huge Switchfoot. That was fan. my tish. Yeah, yeah, John Foreman, that was like my whole thing. I basically like shaped my personality around him and their totally. first three albums suck. They're pretty bad. Like, they're not good. Yeah. Beautiful sure. Letdown was like their first like decent decent album. So it's like That's when I fell in love with him. Yeah. For you sure. felt, yeah, exactly. So in my mind I'm like, you guys gotta get through your first three albums. Like get through it. And business yeah. owners, you gotta get through your first like hundred pieces of content. Get you through your first yeah. three months and just it's okay if you suck. Like five years from now if you're still yeah. doing it, you're gonna be pretty great. Definitely. Yeah. There's this great little book called Show Your Work by Austin Kleon, where he talks about this idea of, you know, getting your work out there. You're showing little pieces of your journey along the way of developing in your craft. And of course, we as artists, you know, you put our content online and we feel like it needs to be the final product, whether that's on Spotify and it's a song or whether it's a YouTube video and it's your first one. And obviously there are going to be those pockets of people who are not supportive and who are looking at, you know, art like that and, you know, think, oh, wow, like, look at his crappy camera. Like, look, at, he doesn't know how to talk to the camera. His, his eyes are dodging all over the place. And yet, like, it takes uploading that work and showing it along the way to really go over time, see that journey Yes, you could record a hundred videos in your bedroom by yourself. And we, you know, we deal with our clients on the same thing, going back to your topic around posting stories. It's a habit to get into, but it's something that's really important to do early on, not because you're going to be wonderful at it, but because it's going to be something that as you do it more frequently, you're going to learn first off that it doesn't really matter, you know, whatever you're posting on your story. It doesn't have to be high quality. It doesn't have to be, you know, it's going to be there for 24 hours. Like, just do something. Just try it. Yeah. And I'm, again, I'm a, I'm a really bad example here because I, I got on a good habit of posting on stories and then I kind of fell off. And again, it's because it's a muscle to, like, work out. You have to get in the habit of doing it. Not because you have to always be putting yourself in front of the algorithm, always have to be putting yourself in front of people going, hey, look at me but because we get an opportunity to document every day and you can use that story as the way of doing that, you know, to just simply go, hey, here's what I'm up to today. If you're an artist, if it's like me, if I'm working on a song later today, I get the opportunity to post up, put my, my phone right there in the corner. I can record a video of me making the song that you're gonna hear in two months. And now what? You, you're more connected to that song once it's out because you got to be a part of the journey. And in some mm-hmm. cases, there are some really awesome examples. We keep going back to music, but there's some really great artists who, especially during COVID, went the live streaming route, got really big on Twitch. And they would not only live stream them making a song for their upcoming album, but they would even ask for people's input or they would receive that input people are putting in the chat. Like, you know, d- dozens of, of comments coming down in the chat, right? And they go... I'm actually going to replace the snare with the one that they said. You're like, I'm actually going to, you know, what if we do a key change here? You know, whatever the case yeah. is. And you see some of these artists where they had dozens of people in the credits on Spotify from, from these chats. 
And it's, it's like really spectacular because now you have an re- interesting story around that song rather than you just having done it all by yourself. Again, bad example here because I, I tend to like working on songs by myself and then I'm, I can make it you know, exactly how I want. But also it's, it's important to collaborate, but it's really cool that it has that story and that journey behind it. Those people and the people who want to be a part of your community and be a part of that next song, well, now they're joining your Twitch because they heard about the people who were on the last song. You know, it's it's not because everybody yeah. wants songwriter credits necessarily. We don't get paid anything yeah. from songwriter credits anyway, but you know, it's really cool to get to well, show that journey to people. Let me go even wider. And, I, and I, I'm gonna speak to people that don't know music and don't know the music industry. So um, on it. Spotify, if you stream a song, that equals four tenths of a cent that the artist gets, which means that <laughs> if you see an artist with a song that has a million streams, they got four thousand dollars from Spotify. Now you, you might have gotten more money from like other venues streaming on on iTunes or not, uh, other places like Google Play or something like that. But usually it's like a good metric. So the odds, and just to give you like a, a perspective, like that artist probably spent thirty to forty hours, maybe sixty, on that one song. Um, and if they paid someone yeah. else to produce it or anything else. They probably spent upwards of like fifteen like fifteen hundred to three thousand dollars for that song, um, yeah. And it, that can go crazy. Like some some people at lower levels, like they're spending like you're, you're paying a producer like four hundred bucks, eight hundred bucks, right? And then um, you you pay a mixer probably another four hundred, and then you pay someone to master it probably like two hundred two fifty, right? But like at the end of the day, like that plus all your time adds up, and they just don't make money. So that's why I'm like the goal should not be for music to make money. And I think exactly like Logan's saying, like the goal should be just to build community through art, through creativity, through something that's like fun for you. And I think a lot of kids end up pursuing music thinking this is like their way to make money. And it's just a way to grow exposure and point people toward, it's like a marketing tool. It's basically another social media platform. I, I know I hate to say it, but like most of the people that you follow, most of the artists you know, they make no money from streams. I'm not saying they should make more. I think people make enough money from where they do it, but like if you're creative enough, you should do a Patreon, you should do OnlyFans, you should do like whatever, you should, you should like sell merch. Like that's, I know people that do all three of those and they they make money with connecting with their fans in music. So there's, just just so people that are not aware that don't do music, that don't know what it's about, like um, what's impressive is actually not really impressive. And um, the coolest part is when you just, have people that connect with it in general and my favorite thing is seeing people go on their first tours that's like my favorite thing to witness like if i have friends and it's like we're going on my first tour i'm like that is your dream that is like it's more than just getting the million streams like that was the goal where you could go out and you could play songs and you have people showing up and you're actually selling out crowds and it's for your music that is the coolest thing on the planet earth um there's like each tier is like i just want to put something out i want to get a little bit of notoriety I want to be able to make money doing music. And once you hit that point, that's where people kind of stall out. And figuring out how to make money as a creative is really difficult. Um, I was talking to I was talking to people and I was like, okay. I, and I, when I made music, I had a couple kids and I was like, shoot, I probably need to go back to, you know, being a dad and, and living, living, you know, corporate life. So I went and I worked for five years. I worked in IT. Um, but most of the people that, I was connected with the music st- stayed in something creative. So like Logan, you, you worked in the corporate for a little bit, but you've continually done music and then you started doing YouTube editing. And um, most other yep. people that I connected with 
also do something creative. Like they they do graphic design, they do they do some level of social media stuff. They like they're just talented in some way because they wanted to create that uh, keep that creative element with them. Um, and then I started talking to business owners, and I found more and more that they were really good at business, but they were really bad at creative. <laughs> and then I talked to creatives, mm. and usually what ends up happening is you're really good at creative, but you're really bad at figuring out how to make money. Um, that's usually the tone. And I, 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 at this point, I've talked to probably two, yeah. three dozen creatives in the last month or two. And it's like, let me talk, like, talk, talk me through your contracts. Talk me through how you're negotiating these deals. Talk to me how you, how you value yourself. Almost every time people undervalue themselves because they don't, they don't recognize what their worth is. And then I talk to business owners and they're like, man, if I could just find someone to solve this problem, I would pay them this much. And it's like, okay, sweet. <laughs> so essentially what me and Logan have done is we've like created this middle ground where I, I would love for us to be a safe haven for those creatives that want to do the thing that they love doing and want to be paid more than fairly and then connect them with the business owners that really want something high quality but can't afford to hire their own in-house marketing team and own and don't really even understand like what creative is and how to direct it um, so we can kind of like essentially that's what our company is our company's called integrity media and and we combine that creative with business where it's like um, if you're a business owner and you're an e-learning coach or you're a small business owner and you're trying to grow your personal brand, you could hire someone from the Philippines to uh, edit for you and you're probably not going to be able to give them a ton of direction and you're probably just going to throw some you know, reels that you've seen on social media and say, hey, can you replicate this? And maybe they can and maybe that's awesome. Um, but odds are you're going to be pretty disappointed when you're comparing to other people. And so um, for us, that's what we love to do. We love to help people become the best and do the best stuff. Um, this isn't a pitch. We were pretty exclusive with who we work for, but I think the long story short is like, if you're a creative, there's a lot of ways to make money. And if you're a business owner, there's a lot of creatives that are looking for money and, and are more than capable of helping you out. So um, long story short, just put content out there first and do it consistently because the only way you're going to be known, whether you're a creative or whether you're a business owner, is just to start. And it's so much easier to build on that validity because you have some level of a presence where people are able to say, okay, what you're doing is cool. I, I know how to help you do it better. Um, that's, so much, that's so much easier. You're not going to do anything if you're not known. So if you have three songs out, put 10 songs out. And I don't care if they're acoustic tracks. I don't care if, like, I don't care if a year later you're like, man, I hated that track. That's okay. That's part of the progress. Uh, look at Mr. Beast's videos. Mr. Beast is a great example in both regards. His YouTube videos sucked. They were not good. He had a video where he said Logan Paul for like 48 hours straight. All right? Not a good video. Impressive, not a good video, right? And now he recently put out a video that was like the second most watched video on YouTube exploring yachts, right? You you have to go through all that crap in order to learn the negative lessons. And um, I think a lot of people are just not willing to, to, to do bad like to put out bad stuff in order to grow and do great stuff um i wasn't and i think that's the thing i'm always having to kill myself with now is like even this podcast like if i overthought the way i thought with my artistry something like this would never be put out but i don't care if this gets a thousand listens like i i just want if there's one person that's listening to this if there's one artist that's listening to this put your music out if there's one business owner that's listening to this you are going to make more money five years from now if you put out a piece of content every single day, if you are known by more people, you are going to make more money. That happens in every regard for every single thing. That's not to say that you should be chasing millions of followers. 
even 100,000 followers. That's not the goal. The goal is connecting with your community. You can do so much more with an engaged group of 10,000 people than you can from a disengaged group of 100,000 people. So don't chase these vanity metrics. Chase connection and be genuine with your community. Start. And if you continue on that path, then pull the levers of quality, then pull the levers of quantity. Um, and I guarantee you, everyone else that's done this, they're millionaires. Everyone else that hasn't done this and quit, they're haters. So which one do you want to be? Because that's kind of the two choices. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that feeling of being desperate for the next job. You know, so imposter syndrome is real. I don't think it's valid when I say it's real. I think it's a real feeling that we all have and we go, who am I to be making a YouTube channel? Who am I to be uploading a song that I made on GarageBand? And I think that feeling is there. You know, it's, it's you going, who am I to make a podcast? You know, uh, I think we can all do that. And I think artists do this all the time. Whether you're trying to build a brand or be an influencer of some type, and I know that's kind of a, a, a catch-all phrase. If you want to make a brand, if you want to be a business, or if you're, you know, somebody like me who, I, you know, before who was doing video editing as a service or whatever service you provide people, if you edit podcasts, you have to value your skill. Don't think that you are an imposter here, that you aren't as good as somebody else. And yes, maybe you're not there yet, and maybe that's a skill that you need to continue to hone in on and develop, and then be willing to charge what you're worth. And I know it's really, really hard to say, you know, how am I gonna charge three times as much as the next guy? Competition's there, you know, I, I don't wanna lose the gig. Sure, like develop the skill. You know, Alex Ramosi talks about, you know, being, being an intern and, and learning a skill and getting to that point. Sure, like get to that point and as much as possible, if this applies to your life situation, don't stress about the money as long as you can until you have something to really offer in the business place. And then, great, come out with the skill that you've spent so much time, even that, if that's from YouTube University, meaning free YouTube videos. You've just learned stuff. <laughs> I have never taken, until recently, I'm seeing the value in taking courses uh, because I'm going, hey, pinching pennies is not helping me get to that next, next level of where I'm trying to get in my craft, regardless of what that is. Um, mm -hmm. But that being said, that meant that I was so frugal. I spent years and years and years and countless hours on YouTube watching tutorials of all kinds. And that's everything I've done up to this point, whether it's you're hearing my music or watching my video editing, it's all been from just watching other people do it on, on YouTube and just nose to the grindstone just doing it myself and trying to figure things out. That being said, pay uh, what you know what a piece of information is worth. There are so many wonderful courses out there. Like develop a skill as quickly as you can and then charge fairly yeah. for it. Charge what you're yeah. worth. I think it also just like uh, I don't want to speak to imposter syndrome because I I don't like that term. I don't like it. Uh, only because like you are who you are. And there's no one else that's you, right? And I, that sounds like a, super, a superlative, but it's not. Like, you are uniquely you, and there's things you're really good at, and there's things you're really bad at, and that's okay. You're comparing yourself to people that are really good at things, and you're not really seeing the things that really that they're really bad at. You're only comparing yourself to their best qualities, right? Which might be your weaknesses. Yeah. So it's like, the sooner you can be like, yep, I'm really good at this thing, 
and then continually hone in and try to learn on the things that you're really bad at. I think that's the nice middle ground. Like I could, like this is just me. I could try video editing. Logan, I don't think I've edited a video for us, um, for any of our clients. I might've like cut something, but I don't think I've actually edited a single piece of content. Uh, if I started doing that, I would be really bad at it. And like, I would, I could probably figure it out if I was like, Grant, you're going to be a great video editor. It would probably take me like three to five years of just grinding it. I would, I'm, I'm really bad at it, but there's other things that I'm really good at. Right. So it's like, that's why there's people that compliment your weaknesses. You don't have to be the one-stop shop. Um, you just have to kind of find the place. that's like the safe haven. So creatives, if you are like, I'm really good at something specific, we're hiring, but FYI, we're scaling. <laughs> we've like, we've forexed in the past couple months. This is, I've also to, to speak to like pension pennies. This, I think this is the first month we've been at this for like six months. This is the first month I'm going to pay myself, which is going to be really nice. <laughs> <laughs> I quit my job a couple months ago and it's like, this is the yeah. first e- month e- I'm, everybody like, else, I'm actually taking everybody money. Everybody else on the team. <laughs> yeah. They've been paid. They're all taken care of, but you haven't yet taken care of yourself. But like, I don't, at the same time, I don't think people are willing to do that, right? Like people aren't willing to endure crap sure. to be able to scale something, to do something that's like good. Like I'll make my money. I'll make like, I'm going to help people. That's my goal. So like, this is a path that we're like, we're able to do this and it's, I think the reason we're able to do this and the reason that people are like, oh, what you guys are doing is really cool is like no one's willing to make that kind of sacrifice. No one's able to make the sacrifice for work, right? To like actually put in the effort to get really good at something. Um, No one's able to take the risk and like in my case, like leave a corporate job. Like people just aren't willing to do that. And I would just encourage more people. Like if you have a skill set, lean into it. Um, There's there's an audience for you. There's a there's a job for you. There's something for you. There's a there's a customer base for you. You just have to lean into it. So. Um, as we, I mean, we'll, we'll wrap up this podcast, two things. One, go listen to Logan's music, support him, follow him on the socials. Um, it's Logan Prescott music, right? That's what it is on Instagram. That's right. Right. Yeah. Um, so go, go follow him. His videos are just so killer. And like his music is honestly some of my favorite music. Like, I don't just say that it's, it is some of my favorite music. Like my kids were humming it the other day. Like my daughter, I I have two kids and. (laughs) My daughter was like humming, <laughs> humming way loud the other day. Um, so <laughs> really, really awesome stuff. Um, and then also like this podcast, this isn't going to be the format. This is us. We, we, I own two small businesses, right? So like, I didn't like, I'm not, not giving a huge introduction on who I am. You'll hear more from me and about me, but like we're small business owners. So we like, <laughs> we're doing our thing. We're creatives that like just are trying to make it. Um, and fortunately we're, we're doing really well with the clients that we have and we're really appreciative and, and I think we're growing really quickly, which is really encouraging. Um, but the people that are going to be on this podcast are mostly going to be business owners. They're mostly going to be, um, people in different industries, some people from Amazon, some people, um, some people from like uh, SaaS companies, some people that are in finance. Like there's a lot of people that are going to be joining this. They're going to be able to give you insights if your goal is not just as a creative, but just as a person, like you want to upskill and you want to have access to knowledge. It's going to allow you to do the things that you want to do. Um, I'm bringing in people that have done that. I think Logan's a good example of like a creative that's done it. Not only is he making money with music and positioning himself for long-term success in that front, but he's also supplementing it with different types of creative income. Um, not, and like, we haven't even talked about it, but you were, you were killing it in the corporate world before you made this jump and you were a big encourager to me to be like grant make the jump because you love owning your time and i just haven't looked back it's been wonderful so um if you're a business owner also and you have an e-learning course or like you're you're just a small business owner you want to grow your personal brand and maybe you've tried some of the stuff that we've talked about reach out to us because 
we're really good at helping you engage with your audience. Our goal is to, to help 1 million business owners curate their story by 2030. And we're going to do that through a lot of different ways, but um, I've, we've been able to help. I mean, I've, in, in terms of consulting and then working directly with clients, we've helped close to uh, 50, 50 different business owners in the span of time. And it's really, really been wonderful and loving the results that we're getting. So um, feel free to reach out to us and, and yeah, I'll see you on the next episode. 